Uh, happy Mother's Day to the moms out there. Uh, it was funny, when Michelle was giving her God story, which was fantastic, um, my son Noah, he leans over to me and he goes, because she said the word motherhood, he goes, where's your hood? <laughs> so, <laughs> it was kind of funny, yeah. It's like something we wear, right? Like, we, that's who we are, we carry as moms, we're mothers, that's what that means, Noah. Sorry, I embarrassed you, <laughs> he's so embarrassed, I'm sorry. Kind of. Um, and then, too, like with her God story, I don't think, I'm grateful. I don't think our family has had any crazy stories for Mother's Day, which, thank you, Jesus. It ended. The curse ended. <laughs> Woo! Oops. Not going to break this. Okay. So, um, before I get started, I wanted to talk about the moms in my life. Um, growing up, you know, they, you, the phrase, it takes a village to raise a family, to raise kids. Um, and growing up, I had many different women in my life, and even now, who have been moms to me. And I just thought it'd be fun to share about a, four of them, four of them with you. Um, just a way to, to honor them, whether they listen to this or not. Um, the first, her name is Sherry. She's my mom. She's the one that carried me for nine months. She's the one who labored with me, and she and I actually both almost died in the delivery when I was born. Um, and because of her, I've known Jesus since I was a toddler. So that's uh, something I'm really grateful for. The second uh, woman is Carol. She's my grandmother. And she's uh, not alive anymore. She passed away about 11 years ago. Um, she's with Jesus, which I'm grateful for too. And she actually raised me from the time I was 10 to 14. And that was during a time of her life when she thought she was done raising kids. Because for her, raising kids wasn't the greatest experience. And she kind of had like a do-over situation with me. And she was just someone who was such a gift, such a gift for me in my life. Uh, the third woman, her name is Donna, and she is my beautiful aunt, and she took me into her home with my uncle when I was 16. She had three very young boys of her own and raised me um, and had to deal with all of my teenage shenanigans and ended up having a girl in the house after all, <laughs> which, you know, God bless her. It was, she was amazing, such a gift to me. And then the fourth is Michelle, my mother-in-law. She has been amazing. I got married very young. I was 20. So for about 20 years, she has loved me as one of her own and accepted me and her family immediately. And it's been such a gift. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so those are a glimpse of the women. There's a few others here and there who've been mentors to me and have kind of taken on mothering roles here and there short seasons, shorter seasons than these women have. And it's been such a gift, such a blessing. And it really, like, thinking about that and praying about that made me think, like, there's probably women in your lives who have done the same thing. And just, I'm going to encourage you to thank God for them, to take a moment and to just thank the Lord for them. And if they're still around, thank them as well. Acknowledge and reach out. I bet that would bless them and surprise them in a great way. Um, and then becoming a mom myself has been 
One of the greatest joys of my life, one of the hardest, most challenging uh, seasons of my life as well, and it's a season that will go on always because I'm never not going to be a mom to these guys. Um, and we had kids right away. So my entire adulthood has been a hood. I used it again, Noah. My adulthood, my adult life has been being a mom. It's all I've known. And I've kind of learned the hard way many times because I didn't know. Um, and, you know, we have shared with you guys, Rich and I have shared, uh, mostly him, he shared, and Grace has shared, like her journey, that was the struggle of, you know, watching her walk away from Jesus and um, our family, essentially, in many ways. She would isolate, and she was doing things we had no idea about, and that was gut-wrenching. It was probably, I, I would say, one of the most challenging parts of being a mom. I would find myself desperate, just like, Lord, what is happening? I don't know what to do. I know there's things going on that I don't even know about. I don't know if I want to know about them, but like, how, I don't know how to help my daughter. How, what do I do? Like, and I was just desperate, and um, I would cry out to him, and the only way I knew how, and people would come alongside as well and really help us and um, minister to us. But, and so now she's doing great. She's returned to us emotionally. She's returned to the Lord spiritually, but she's living far away. So physically, she's separated from us again. And that is really tough. We were just out there, as Rich shared before, and you guys probably know, we were in California where she is uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was such a gift to be with her. And towards the end of our time together out there, we were there for a week, we saw her every day, which was wonderful. But towards the end of the time, I felt myself, there was like this, um, like, I, like I was just like wanting to cling to her. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to leave her again, because I've left her out there again already, like before. And that was tough. Um, but I just, I just felt myself grasping at like any little thing. What, what can I do? How can I take care of her? I don't want to leave her. I have to. And um, I, I, that was just such a struggle. And perhaps you guys have struggled with different things as well over the years, whether you're a mom or not. You might be able to relate to our situations that um, shared. Um, and, you know, if you aren't a mom, because there are those of you in here who are clearly not because you can't be. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but <laughs> um, I know, sorry, Rich. He, I told him I wasn't going to really say that, and then it just kind of came out, and he was like, Jess, that wouldn't really be that funny. But, so I appreciate the laugh, Sloan. That was really kind. And he's just sitting over there shaking his head, like, oh, my gosh. So anyway, it's okay. It's great. Um, but you might be able to relate to the desperation of being a mom or being a parent in some ways. Or you might have something else going on in your life, right? Like you might be um, in a situation right now where you have an adult child who you can't connect with. They're just slipping further and further away from you. And you're just like, God, what do I do? Or maybe you need a job. Maybe you lost your job. You don't know what you're going to do. And you're desperate. Like you don't know how you're going to pay rent the next month. Or maybe you have a medical diagnosis or something going on and there's no answers and you're scared. Like that's a place of desperation. Um, maybe you feel stuck in a marriage and you don't know how to fix it. 
you don't know what to do. There's, it just seems like there's no way out. There's so many different kinds of scenarios that we can find ourselves in where we just feel desperate. Desperate. We need help. We don't know what to do. And the good news I want to share with you today is that when we acknowledge our desperation for the Holy Spirit, He will come. He will come alongside us and He will help. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love for all the moms that are here. Your heart for the, mom, the women who long to be a mom and who aren't, aren't, aren't able to be. Um, I ask that you would be the comforter and come and, and be with them. I thank you that you can meet us all where we're at. And I ask, Father, that you would speak to each and every one of us, that we would have sensitive hearts, our spirits, our souls would be sensitive to what you're saying and what you're doing, and that you would move. We invite you to move freely here in the space. Amen. So we've been in this uh, series, I want to make sure I do this right, called Empowered. Did I do it? Oh, I have to turn it on. Wait, there we go. And then that. Yes. Did you do it or did I do it? Okay. I did it. Okay. So it's Empowered. We've been in this series called Empowered. Um, as we uh, approach Pentecost Sunday, which is next week, I believe. And we're just studying, learning more about, or in two weeks, Rich said. Thank you, Rich. It's in two weeks. Um, and we're learning more about how the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to us moves, connects with us, meets with us. And it's been really encouraging and really exciting. And um, it's important that we cultivate a relationship with him. And so uh, to start, I'm going to be talking about our desperation for him. Um, And I'm going to read a scripture. Um, But before I get to that, I just want to paint a picture. Uh, Jesus is meeting with the disciples, his disciples, before um, he is going to leave them. It's the Last Supper. And he had just shared with them that he's going to be betrayed, and one of them is going to be betraying him. They are confused by that, kind of shocked. Um, and then he's saying he's leaving them. And they don't fully understand what, how is he leaving them. And he's telling them, and they're, they're feeling, I mean, you can imagine that they're feeling scared. They're feeling anxious. They're confused. This person that they've been following, they've given everything to follow, is going to leave. And, um, I mean, they left their jobs, right? They left their families. And he's leaving them. Where is he going? And they're like, what are we going to do? And so Jesus tells them something that is very important. In John uh, chapter 14, there he is. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, one who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So Jesus promises in the middle of, he sees their confusion, he sees that this is something that they really need to know. 
he sees this and he tells them that he's going to send someone who's going to help them, who will be another advocate. And this one will never leave them. So Jesus is leaving them, but the the one he's going to send will never leave. And he's going to come. He's going to take his place, being with them all the time. Such a gift. And so I want to first look at the word advocate. Uh, The word advocate is not something you hear typically in normal everyday conversation, unless maybe you work in like a legal setting. Um, So the word advocate, what does it mean? Now, in other, this is the New Living Translation the scripture is taken from. In other translations, the words uh, helper are used, comforter are used, as well as friend, and this translation uses advocate. And in the original writing of the New Testament, it was, the language was Greek. So in the Greek, advocate is translated as parakletos. It's kind of a fun word to say. You can go ahead and try it if you want. Parakletos. I like saying that. I was saying it a lot before because parakletos is just kind of fun, fancy word. And it, I don't know, I felt like it kind of just like fit the Holy Spirit because it's like, yeah, pretty. Anyway. Um, and parakletos means one who is summoned to come alongside and aid. So Jesus is saying that he's sending parakletos to come. And parakletos will be there. When you need parakletos, all you have to do is say parakletos. When we say come Holy Spirit, that's essentially what we're saying. Parakletos, I need you. Come. It's the summoning. It's the inviting, the invitation. And so he will always come alongside you and he will always aid you. Uh, I remember when my mom taught me how to ride a bike when I was little. She was the one that did it. And she, and even watching Rich do, help teach our kids how to ride bikes. He, uh, especially Grace. But what they would do is they would come alongside you. I'm sure many of us in here had someone help teach us or we helped teach someone else. Come alongside and hold on to the bike so that until we learn how to balance, we can get our, our balance, our coordination, we know how to turn, we know how to brake, and they're holding on, guiding, and then they let go. And we might fall, most likely that happens, especially at first, but then whoever it is, my mom, she would come over, help me up, make sure I was okay, any cuts and scrapes, which there probably were. When I was a kid, I had Band-Aids on my knees all the time. And <laughs> um, so I probably had that. But she would help me get up and try again. And that's what Paracletos does. He comes alongside us. That describes the Holy Spirit so well. He comes alongside us. He holds on. He helps us, guides us, leads us, and helps us learn how to balance and let's go, but it's still there with us if we need him. And it's that awareness of having him in our lives, knowing that he's there, he's guiding us, with, he's, right, he's helping us try and try again. And the thing is, though, we have to want him to do it. We have to invite him to do it. I, I, one of our kids, I mean, they didn't want to learn how to ride a bike, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember which one, but I have this vague memory of like being scared, taking the training wheels off. I don't know if I want you to hold on, Dad, or... Um, you know, this makes me nervous, and, and just that fearfulness. And they didn't want that. But you have to want to learn how to do these things. You have to want the helper, the teacher, the guide, 
the comforter, the parakletos, to be there helping you, leading you on. When you call, he will come. He always does. Are you feeling fearful or anxious? If you are, you can pray, come Holy Spirit, and he will comfort you. He will bring you peace. Are you isolated or lonely? You can pray, come Holy Spirit, and he will be your friend and he'll be your teacher. Are you stressed or overwhelmed? You can pray, come Holy Spirit, and he will carry your burdens and help guide you along that right path. Are you feeling guilty or ashamed? You can pray, come Holy Spirit, and he will help you as necessary. He will convict you of what has happened, and he forgives you, and he will wash you, and he will heal you. And that is such good news, that he is there in all of those situations those situations that I just named, people feel desperate. We've all felt so desperate one time or another. I know I have felt each and every one of those things. I have been stressed. I have been anxious. I have been lonely. I have felt isolated. I have felt guilty. I have felt ashamed. And over the time, over time, I've learned to invite him, Holy Spirit, Paracletos, into my life, and he does. He answers me. He comforts me. And it isn't always right in the timing or what I expect, but he does do it. problem with all of this, though, is that most of us, or many of us, don't do it. We, we love talking about him. Many, I, I love talking about him. Many of us love talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, we love singing to him. We love worshiping. We love gathering together like this, meeting in our small groups, being together, talking about him, loving him, and having him love on us. And we know it. We know that up here, we need to call on him. But when we are out of those situations, where we're together in community, where it's obvious, it's on our tongue, when we're out of those situations, when we go into real life, out in the world, right, into our workplace, something happens, the, everything hits the fan, we feel out of control. We, it's, it's not something that we're often quick to do. Many of us know up here, come Holy Spirit, I need your help. But when we need him, we don't know it in here. There's often this disconnect. And it, it, it makes such a difference because we need him. We do, we need him. We need to learn to call on him. And there's things that we do instead, right? We'll numb the pain often. I mean, there's different ways to numb the pain, right? You can veg out and watch a ton of shows. Like, what is that called when you uh, binge watch? Binge watch a bunch of shows. You can eat, 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 comfort yourself. You can um, drink drugs, like whatever. Numbing the pain, right? Not facing it, covering it up excuse it away, whatever it is, instead of turning to him, the obvious choice. We can turn to self-help books. You know, as a mom, there have been so many resources available. Like, oh my goodness, my kid's doing this, what do I do? Oh, quick, let's go on Google. Oh, look, there's a, there's a blog that some woman has written. Let me see what she says. Like, 
why did I not just automatically ask God to help me, invite the Holy Spirit? Because he's the one who leads and guides in all truth, right? Into all truth. That should be the one that we go to immediately. He just is there waiting patiently for us. He really is. He's always there. And something that I think is really important is if we maintain a relationship with God, if we are daily disciplining ourselves to know him, and it's, it's something that it's a practice, if we're connecting with him, we're in scripture, we're praying, and it's not just like at a moment, but even like throughout our day, like just a normal practice, a normal habit through the good things, the hard things, when we're really in those tough situations, it's a natural fruit that comes out. It's this natural expression. It just flows out of us to turn to him. So I just want to encourage you to, like, to build and cultivate your relationship with the Lord. And if that's something that you are struggling with, like you don't really know how to do that, like come get some prayer after the service or come talk to me or come talk to Rich or Teresa. One of us, we would love to talk with you about that and to pray with you because that really is something that is key to turning to him immediately or automatically. Um, and you know, it, it's so surprising because even now, like there's, there's times where I find myself still struggling with doing that. Like, Holy Spirit, help me. I was sick. I, I felt like this whole, we'll just say the school year, like, um, because I'm working at a preschool and the kids started school in September, right? So all, like, the whole school year, I have been sick more than I probably ever have been, so consistently. And I think it's a combination of my own kids bringing germs home after having been isolated from COVID. You know, they're getting sicker than normal. I think you're seeing it everywhere. So they're bringing that into the house. And then I'm working at a preschool with these adorable little toddler, I guess they're older than toddlers at this point, but they're so cute and they're germy. They're kind of gross. They really are. I have hand sanitizer like every, I'm using it constantly. Um, But they're so sweet and they're germy and they have gotten me so sick. And so the combination of my own children and then those kids at the school, I've been sick. And, you know, in the, starting in the new year, that's how I started the year, Rich's birthday. I came down with the flu. It was terrible. And since then, I felt like I had not been able to fully recover. I was like living out of this place of just being constantly tired. My immune system was low, had been battered, and I was just, I was just too tired to really do much about it. Like, I just wanted to rest, and then as soon as I would start feeling better, I'd get back into work, and I would try to, you know, live my life, and then I would get sick again. And it was this constant cycle and spiral that was discouraging for all of us and tiring. Like, you know, Rich, he, he had to do, take over a lot more at home, like, because I was just like, I can't, I just can't do this right now. And it was really hard in different ways, emotionally. It was just so tough. And um, right before we, well, maybe a month or so before we went to California, of course, was sick again, and during spring break, I was sick through spring break, and I thought for sure, oh, 
I'll be better after this. We'll go, I'll go to work, it'll be great, and then we're gonna go on vacation, and it's gonna be this wonderful vacation. I didn't get better. I was just, it seemed like I was getting worse. I went to the doctor like three different times, and I don't like going to the doctor. You know, I don't really have anything against medicine. I think it helps, but my natural instinct is to turn to something like essential oils or something. Yeah, like I love them. Um, I love, yeah, and they work, but that wasn't helping. That wasn't doing anything. So I was convinced that all that I was going through would be some super simple, easy fix, and it wasn't, and I was becoming desperate. Um, I had prayed, I had asked God to help, but I hadn't like fully like on my, my hands and knees like in a desperation, like, God, I need you, because I, I, I can't keep going like this. This is awful. Like something else has to be happening here. And um, I ended up taking off that entire month from work, which that's a lot to not be at the school. And I wanted to be healthy so that we could go on our trip and it could be a great trip. And I wanted to be fully recovered so I could return to work healthy. Um, And I would say about a week and a half before we left, I was here and I couldn't hear out of my ear. It was clogged up and it was a mystery of why this was happening, and um, it was so frustrating. I don't know if it was like the second week of that happening, being clogged, and I was just so worn out by it all. And Teresa, that was the Sunday, Teresa talked to all of us about this, where she had an encounter with God. God met her, and she had experienced uh, a deliverance, like right over here. She talked about it, if you remember. And she was, after that happened that Sunday, she invited me over to where she was, and she started sharing with me what Jesus had done, how, how God had met her right there. And I was like overwhelmed by the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in that moment, and I started to cry. I don't always cry. In fact, I think I probably don't cry as much as I would expect I would. So I knew it was the Holy Spirit, like really meeting me in that moment. I just started to cry. She, it was just beautiful. And his presence was just so beautiful as well. And then I started to sob. I, I was sobbing. Like, it was gross. Like, I was crying, bawling my eyes out like I haven't in a long, long time. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit come. The paracletos came, right? Like, we had that, that day, we had prayed, like, come, come and meet us and speak to us, and he did, he came. And all of this pent up, I think probably control was released, what I was feeling of like, I, like I wanna control the situation, I wanna be done with this, let's fix it now. It was all released, the burden, the heaviness, the exhaustion, the frustration, the anger, the fear, all of it, the anxiety was just released through those tears, and I felt so much lighter. But I also felt lighter up here and I was able to connect with him more in my heart down here at that moment. And I just, it, it was just like, I, I felt very humbled, actually, because it was kind of like, when you're like that, it's gross. It's like, people are aware and, you know, making sure like, you know, this is between me and the Lord and it's okay. Like, I just felt very humbled. I'm like, Jesus, I just need you. And I don't know what this is gonna look like. I don't know how to fix it. And after that, that was actually, I think, a marking point 
I started really to get better. My ear ended up clearing up. I was so grateful. It was the weekend before we left. He was at church. I'm like, this Sunday, okay. And that weekend, like Saturday before, my hearing was going in and out. I was really nervous about the air pressure on the plane because I had had some crazy pain with it. And um, that Sunday, it just stayed open from then on. We left Tuesday, and it, it's been great ever since. And I'm just so grateful. But I, I realized it was a good lesson for me, and it's a good lesson for us, that instead of avoiding our pain, instead of avoiding what we're afraid of, I needed and we need to embrace it, to allow God to use it and to work through it. And, you know, one of the things that's coming up next week, which mentioned, is the prayer training. I'm really excited about that. It's going to be at Adam's house, and I would love to invite you to it. Please let me know if you plan on coming. There's going to be lunch afterwards, but it's a great way to um, really hone in, like, learn and focus about how to pray specifically to invite the Holy Spirit into different kinds of situations to meet others, but also for yourself, too. It's a really great tool to have, and so I just want to invite you to that. It'd be wonderful to have you there. You can email me, jess at com or talk to me uh, today. It'd be great. So it's important to remember, Holy Spirit, our paracletos, he's our helper, he's our friend, he's our comforter, he's our advocate. Um, The psalmist David, he knew how to pray. He knew how to seek out God very well. He's known as a man after God's own heart. He chased after him like we're meant to. It was just beautiful what he did. And in Psalm 63, he writes, he writes, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. And that picture is a picture of desperation. Last week, Rich talked to us about being thirsty, being parched, and just needing and desiring the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and quench that thirst. And he described how when we were in California on the hike and so hot, nobody but him brought water. We were desperate. We didn't care where the water came from. (laughs) Just wanted the water. And... um, and, and Rich had some, and he, he brought extra. He was prepared, and he shared at the end when we needed it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He comes and he meets us in that place. It doesn't matter where, how, or when, he, but he does come, and when we're desperate, we want it no matter what. So the question is for us, for you, are we searching and longing for Holy, the Holy Spirit in that way? Do we have that desperation? Have we ever come to that point? And my prayer for you today is that that desperation is stirred up in your heart. That it really is stirred up. That the paracletos comes and meets you right in that place, that space. So there's three different uh, prayers of desperation, specific ones that I'd like to share with you and give you as 
a tool, a practice. I want to invite you this week, starting today, to pray these ways. The first one is, the first one is, come Holy Spirit, I need you. Say, come Holy Spirit, I need you. You know, as a mom, our, my kids, different times, are like, mom, I need you, yelling for me, you know, in another part of the house or when they were really little, being injured, like crying, I need you, I need you. And of course, I would go to them, Right? I would go to them to help them. But, and that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. We cry out to him, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need your help. Right in this very moment. In Mark it says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And what Jesus is saying here, and what is true for the Holy Spirit as well, is that if we don't need him, he's not going to come. It's kind of like that example I gave earlier with riding the bike. If we feel like we don't need him, he's not going to come. But sick people, they know they need help. And they're desperate. And he will come. He will come to those who recognize that they are nothing, that they have nothing without him. And one of the neatest math problems, I'm not a math person, <laughs> uh, riches, which is great. So maybe he'll be proud of this one. <laughs> nothing plus nothing in the kingdom. When we recognize we're nothing, that we recognize we have nothing without him, equals everything, because he gives us everything. Was that infinity? <laughs> everything you could use, I guess? Zero plus zero is everything. Um, one of the great, uh, I liked this, is like a VIP access, everything, right? So we recognize we have nothing, we recognize we are nothing, he gives us everything, and that is the VIP access. You know, there was this big Taylor Swift concert this weekend, and it was fun to see pictures of it. I didn't go, although I do like her. Um, but there are some people who had VIP access that got to go backstage, got to meet her, and that would be so cool. And the reality is that with the kingdom of heaven, we have that when we recognize that we need Jesus, that he is everything, he has everything that we need. We get that VIP access. We get that backstage with him. We say, come Holy Spirit, I need you. On the Sermon, uh, or in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He gives us everything. He is our everything. We have access to that kingdom of heaven. And if you are here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never given him all of who you are, I just want to invite you to do that. Like right now, you can just pray, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life and I give you every bit of me. Come, make me clean. 
just invite you to do that. And if you did that or you're curious about doing that, like tell someone, come talk to someone after the church service over at the wall where we pray or when we're just sitting here. Talk to Rich. I'm sure he would love to talk to you about that. Me. That would be wonderful. All right, so we talked about how the first prayer is, come Holy Spirit, I need you. And the second one is, come Holy Spirit, help me. And the thing with this help me is we can often have expectations on how we are helped. We think, Holy Spirit, help me. I have this situation. Um, I think I know what the outcome is going to be, but come and help. I need help anyway, right? We find ourselves desperate. Like It's like, make a decision. We need help. Or um, we're in a place where we need to be rescued. But we have this preconceived idea of how that's going to be, even if we don't fully realize it. And so um, it's really important to, re- to remember that when we pray, come Holy Spirit, help me, we shouldn't be asking for a method. We should be open to what he, his methods are, his, what his decision is. And the person of the Holy Spirit is our paracletos. He'll come to us. He'll be our aid. He'll be our help. And because of time, we're just going to skip over that verse real quick. Now, when the third prayer is, come Holy Spirit, I am weak. I can't do this on my own. I can't carry these burdens. I need you. This is too much. I am overwhelmed. And he will come. And this is where, for like my situation, I surrendered control of being sick and wanting an answer to get healthy, right? Surrendered that control and gave him that opening to come. I I was weak. And in those situations, he loves that because he's like, perfect, this is something I can work with. I can do what I want to do in your life because you are giving me the control. The Apostle Paul experienced this himself. He had a thorn in his flesh that he writes in um, 1 Corinthians, I think. Um, And he begged God three different times to take it away. And God didn't. But one of the things that he learned is that Jesus was enough for him. God was more than enough to move through him with his grace and his power. And he said, I am strongest in your weakness. So I just want to take a moment to pray. That we would all just take a moment to pray. Hold out our hands like this. Receiving from him. Paracletos. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. I need you. I need help. I am weak. Would you come and do what you want to do? Would you empower each and every one of us in our desperation to seek you, to desire you, to do what you want to do in our lives. Would these prayers be on the tips of our tongue this week? Would we automatically turn to you and not the other things in the world? Would we seek you first? Amen.